Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. <laughs> <laughs> Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this uh, earth? Later. I like to play with things a while before annihilation. When the very existence of Earth is under threat from an evil alien dictator, it seems that the end of days could be upon us. However, Dr. Hans Zarkov, a disgraced ex-NASA scientist, believes he can reach the source of this threat and save the human race. Having kidnapped Flash Gordon, a heroic New York Jets quarterback, and Dale Arden, a journalist and Flash's recent love interest, they reluctantly embark on a space mission to confront unknown celestial beings. What follows is a dazzling space adventure where heroes and villains clash in a battle of wits, words and wars. We're introduced to a flamboyant cast of comic book styled characters, truly fabulous set and costume design, a thunderous rock soundtrack, and what can only be described as a rambunctious science fiction epic. So we're glad you've joined us to celebrate this camp cult classic. With only 24 hours to save the Earth, it's only right that I hand things over to the spectacular rock group Queen to introduce you to our hero. Hello. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> we are the Last Action Heroes, and this is our podcast about 1980s super fucking cool action cinema. In this episode, we'll be discussing Flash Gordon. Joining me today will be Flash Gordon. Oh, hey, oh, I get the hero. Awesome. <laughs> Bjorn Worms. No, anything but the boar worms. Not the boar worms. <laughs> we'll be releasing War Rocket Jesper to bring back his body. <laughs> and I'll be today's host, Leon the Merciless. Um, I'd also like to give a shout out to Henrik, who is our fifth action hero and works quietly behind the scenes on our audio mixdowns. Our podcast definitely wouldn't sound as good without him. Don't forget that you can get in touch with us to geek out about films via Twitter at TL underscore Action Heroes or on Instagram at The Last Action Heroes Podcast. So let's get down to it. Flash Gordon is a 1980 action science fiction adventure film directed by mike hodges and produced by dino de Laurentiis, who makes sure you know of his name blazoned across the front of the film it <laughs> features a wonderful cast of actors such as max von sidow as ming the merciless timothy dalton as prince baron and the wonderfully charismatic brian blessed as prince voltan gordon's alive it's alive so what better place <laughs> to start than the film's production let's talk characters music and the overall style of the film who would like to kick us off I'd like to jump in with a, a bit of fun on uh, Brian Blessed, actually. So um, just following on from him there. Apparently, uh, he actually got the part by threatening De Laurentiis. <laughs> he, he basically said to him, um, I'm bloody made for this. I saw it as a child. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to bloody kill you. I'll break your back. I'll tear your cock off. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he, that, he was oh. in character from the start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just was himself, I think. Except for the tear your cock off part. <laughs> I love that throughout this entire film, the dude just, I don't know if it was in the script or not, but he just laughs at everything. Gunfight <laughs> laughs it off. Like torture, laughs it off. Someone's gonna die. <laughs> I found he seems to just have the time of his life there. I think it's just yeah. amazing to see. Yeah. Apparently, they had to do a couple of reshoots for some of his scenes later on because he kept when they were doing like shooting battle scenes, he kept making laser sounds like pew 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 pew, and they had to keep redoing it because he was adding in his own effects. <laughs> did, did you hear his excuse? He said, "To be fair, Sam Jones, who plays Flash, he's pretty good at doing his sound effects too." And apparently, the pair of them were like pew 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 pew. pew. <laughs> that is amazing um let, let's start from the beginning let's talk about the just the overall style and sound of this film you know it's it's a stunner right it sounds amazing it looks amazing everything is beautiful um yeah. who would like to sort of pick this up well i'd like to just maybe start if if any of you guys prior to watching this movie have had any experience with the uh, you know flash gordon the comics or the 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 old and incredibly delightful tv series or actually not tv series but the like the 1930s kind of movie matinee series have any of you seen any of this before before you watched flash gordon the movie no N not before but for this i watched a few clips on youtube yeah <laughs> It's absolutely amazing. I actually got to see... So here in Denmark, we have this um, TV program called The Magic Mirror, and they are also sort of the, like popular culture, and it's been running since I was a kid. And they actually, as part of uh, their um, show, they would always finish off with one of these uh, old original Flash Gordon uh, movie matinee uh, episodes. It was just like 10 minutes or something like that. And it was like for a 10-year-old kid like me, it was just absolutely amazing to see this old school 1930s special effects, the outrageous costumes. So I knew a little bit about uh, Flash before I actually watched um, the movie back in the day. And you know, the movie is just a continuation of that. And it is visually still, I think it's an absolute delightful, like the like everything about it is just so, you know, so colourful and so yeah. delightfully kind yeah. of non-science fiction, you know, which yeah, I just yeah. think is brilliant. Talking of how colourful it is as well, it it does look like a comic book. And I know you get comic book films, but everything is so saturated and like the costumes, that they're, they're beyond real. It, yeah. It's so dramatic and yeah. Yeah. The costumes a, are yeah, awesome. The costumes are amazing. Like Ming's... Yeah. The costumes like he has a different costumes in in a few of the scenes and all of them are are great you know um, yeah agreed yeah. I heard particularly the red one for his wedding at the end that kind of military yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard some trivia that um, Danilo Donati who was the um, set and costume designer um, actually refused to read the script when he was designing everything he just took everything from the comic books and the panels and yeah just wow. did his own thing um, and when I think it was De Laurentiis first saw. Um, some of what he was doing, he was just like, "This is too much." And <laughs> oh, no. yeah, it was yeah, but it's it's a stunner. This film's an absolute stunner. Yeah, I, I was reading somewhere as well that they they all openly talk about how this film was aesthetically led, like it was mm -hmm. all about the visuals and the costumes, and no one really cared if the the sort of the script and the film was that good. They just wanted it to look fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. what doesn't look fucking awesome is is the special effects though. They're they're a bit, <laughs> yeah, they're a bit on the cheap side. It, it felt like the, most of the budget went to uh, you know costumes and 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 sets. Um, yeah, not so much on, is on the special effects. Actually, 
it, like like when watching it now and uh, you know because you know we have these various like HD versions uh, available in Blu-rays I think there's even a 4K, a 4K uh, version yeah. uh, available and there are on, on some of the effects you can clearly see sort of the outline of the image like as they're moving it and you can see the strings attached and you can see some of the like some of the costumes uh, for some of the more alien characters they're very clearly very badly painted rubber suits and masks and stuff yeah. like that and, yeah. uh, I'll tell you what I do love but, about the special effects though I love all the sky replacements of like the the sort of oh, yeah. ink flowing through water yeah. and all the psychedelic colors. It's it's, it's stylish. Yeah, it's like, like a piece, it, piece of art almost. Yeah, For yeah. Sure. There's that bit near the start where they travel through a um like the wormhole as they go towards mm. Mongo or wherever it is, and it's it's like yeah like a spectrum of colors all dripping into each other with this little spaceship flying through the middle. It's it's stunning. Yeah, that's I mean that's actually I think a really fabulous scene that so they're in the rocket they're traveling through in queen soundtrack and there's all this psychedelic you know kind of use of synthesizers and this you know they start to go through the wormhole and then you get this sort of um what's the word this uh drum sort of dark drum beat kind of happening yeah uh, like you know, stuff is about to happen now and yeah it's like visually the whole thing is very you know just coming together so nicely still i think it's also quite interesting that the, the vision for the world is sort of, you know, it's super unique because it's not a different kind of star system like we know it with round planets and stuff like that. It seems yeah. like it's, you know, it's fragments of world that are hovering and, you yeah. know, it's not like when they jump into their space. It's not, you know, it's not a dark space full of stars. It's got the, all these clouds and they can move around in it without having big spacesuits on and it just gives a whole different kind of feel to the yeah, world which is that is interesting quite how they can fly yeah. like that rocket cycle and yeah. they're just in like sort of vests and no helmets just flying through this whatever this space is yeah. from planet to planet yeah that's really nice i almost yeah. had the impression that this maybe was a planet that ming had destroyed and then set himself at the center of and he was kind yeah. of the dictator of all the fragments so all these individual yeah. worlds yeah because they are called kingdoms aren't they yeah, yeah. that was and, on my take but no, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that would make sense. There but, is also this, um, and I didn't really notice this before until watching it uh, now, but um, I think, and I, and I don't know if they've done this on purpose, but there seems like there's little, they're sort of making little hints of what each backstory for all of these different kingdoms is. And I think the, um, the Hawkman, uh, I, uh, I think is quite interesting because when you look at their, you know, palace it all seems you know it's so nice and wonderful and you know very um you know clean and the hawkmen themselves are a little bit sort of you know they're sort of very warrior like they you know yeah, they're a bit yeah. you know dirty and ruggedy like a you know dirty dozen commando type military unit type thing so maybe and i'm just you know uh, you know this imagination running but maybe it's like you know it was the kingdom of someone else the hawkman kind of came in and took over and that's sort of who they are you know they kind of move from kingdom to kingdom take what they want and you know, <laughs> yeah. sort yes of classic of, oh this is something that happened off screen yes exactly it's like oh there's a whole world there you know? um, so um, i also yeah, I love how everything glitters and reflects oh, like yeah. when you go into the the palace earlier on um there's so many shiny costumes and everything's got sparkles all over it and like big sort of not quite lens flares but there's a sort of disco ball feeling yeah. to all the the clothes and the costumes and yeah. weird things like some have got buck teeth and some have got massive shoulders and these odd lizard men that have got like eyes in their mouths it's just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's peculiar exactly one's kind of softness or sort of uh, over the lens that For kind sure. of makes like everything just yeah. stand out a lot more like the old is... sort of vaseline look put vaseline yes, on exactly the lens. That. yeah exactly that one thing i found um, interesting and... with the film as well is you know it, it's a comic book film and in that kind of half you almost think you know this is aimed towards kids but then there's this kind of 
super sexualized half of it like the film feels really horny like you know it's yeah. the, the costume <laughs> yeah. designs and there's just this whole like level of lust permeating the film almost you know everyone's just eyeing sure. each other up but it's just a bit kind of like okay um I wanted to move us on a little bit to the the soundtrack as well. I think mm. it's impossible to start talking about this film without talking about how much Queen have brought to the the overall vibe of this film. I mean, there's a few scenes we watch in this. I know, Dan, you're, you're quite keen on the battle at the end. Mm. But I think if you didn't have Queen on that scene, it wouldn't be as powerful. They've just got this thunderous rock to everything and it's mm. yeah. amazing. Yeah. I read that originally they wanted the Pink Floyd as as the the music to do the music soundtrack and and yeah. the producer or someone he didn't even he didn't know who Queen was even though they were like at the peak uh, at that time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Apparently so he, he responded who are the queens? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure like have they'd hit their kind of worldwide success at that point. Maybe not, I mean yeah. in the 70s they were kind of billed as being a bit of an underdog, you know, British rock group so this might be just as they were kind of starting to hit that worldwide yeah. fame i'm not sure about queen's history too much but yeah i read as well that um there had been rock songs used on films but there'd never been a rock band to own the entire soundtrack to the film yeah. and i like they've killed it it's you listen to it now and it I, I i don't even know the words for it there aren't many soundtracks this good they are the band to the do band that. own it it's a it's a rock opera and that is what queen do you know they have this kind of i don't know this almost sort of pretentiousness about them i guess you know everything feels grand and epic and if there's any any band that could have done that it would have been queen for sure yeah it's amazing yeah. i think had they gone down a more traditional sort of orchestral score it just wouldn't have worked like you know it's their sound it's their uniqueness that meshes so well with this psychedelic vision uh, of the mm -hmm. uh, you know, of the world. And I think, you know, had it not been for Queen, you're right. I don't think this would have made such an impression um, as no. it, you know, as it did and, and still does, uh, I think. Yeah. I think, I think the soundtrack also... is arguably more famous than the film in some regards, really. I mean, you, you, you can't even Take go down the street back. and say, <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you say flash, you know, the, you, instantly someone's probably yeah. going to go, ah, oh, and they yeah. might not dum, have even dum, seen the dum, film. Dum, dum, so. dum, dum. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's got to be up there with the Jaws theme tune, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think so. Um, Similar BPM. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think it probably helps because Queen are quite sort of a little bit campy as well, not mm. just because um, Freddie Mercury was gay, but like their music is a little bit camp and overly dramatic. Yeah. And I think that possibly helps how camp the film came across. Um, before we move on to some scenes, let, let's, any, any sort of thoughts around the characters, characters themselves? We've got Flash, Emperor Ming, Dale, Zarkov, anyone we should, yeah, sort of segging, I guess, from um, Queen into Flash. I always kind of felt that Queen bigged him up a bit too much, like, <laughs> in the song. They're like, saviour of the universe. Yeah, okay, fair yeah. enough. He saves the universe, you know. He saved every one of us. He did, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's a miracle. Well, he could have been anybody, but, you know, he's Flash. And then he's king of the impossible. I was like, I don't really see him doing anything very impossible in this film. I don't like your Flash shit talking, Dan. <laughs> I mean, I agree with Dan. Like, he, he's like... He's like a football player, like the, uh, in the New the, York Jets quarterback. Yeah, New, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but he's also like, you know, like he's, he's a bit obnoxious. I feel like he's in the plane with the pilots and, and like the plane is like having some turbulence and he goes into the cockpit, right? And it's like, are you all right, guys? Do you want any help? Like, you know, so, no, you know five, settle down a bit, you know. <laughs> I quite You've like had, what, sort of two <laughs> lessons at flying a plane? You've had two yeah. lessons and he's already like, oh, you just go above it, you know, just go above it. It's fine. Yeah. I like how Trust sort me, of I've taken two flying promiscuous lessons. he is as well, that he, he falls for Dale and he's quite into Dale. 
and then he sees Princess Aura, and then he's totally into Aura, and then he sees Dale again. It's like, well, I quite like Dale as well. Yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't be into Princess Aura though? It's like the there, meme. a bit later. <laughs> yeah, it's like where, a meme when he sees him. Yeah, on, yeah. I was go gonna on. say like it's like a meme. That meme when the guy is looking over his shoulder at the girl who walks past. You know that that famous <laughs> meme. Yeah, it's like that in the movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit like that. Um, so we've got Flash Gordon, who is a fairly one-dimensional, pretty stupid uh, football player, and becomes a hero. We've got Emperor Ming, who is this, uh, I really like Ming. He never lowers himself into like fights or arguments. He is an emperor. You know, he doesn't need to hustle around with the pitiful people below him. No. And he's a powerful emperor, you know, like, you know, he never really kind of raises his voice. It's just his mere presence just sends people sort of cowering. So there is yeah. definitely, you know, there's definitely presence uh, yeah, to him, which yeah. I think is great. And he's, he's pure, a dirty pure old evil. as well. Yeah, he's a We've got old uh, dirty bastard <laughs> Dale Arden, who really is probably the least defined character. She's an all-American sort of cheerleader and a journalist, and that's it, really. She's there is something in interesting bit. about her which I noticed, and um, Dan, you're our kill count master, so you, you know, call me out if I got this wrong. But she gets the first kill um, of the movie. I mean in terms of who are the good guys, because she kills a guard or two, two actually, as she's trying to make her escape from Ming's bedchamber. And I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. And, um, yeah. you know. She's a better, she's she's a better fighter first. than Flashes. You know, like she can, she is. Yeah, she can actually she does fight. a cartwheel, picks up the gun, and you know, shoots yeah, the guard. Flash, and, Flash can and, only yeah. fight if he has a, something resembling a football. Yeah, he's broad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think you might be right in the regard that she's probably the first of the heroes, maybe. First of the so, heroes. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Mm. But I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, we have Doctor Hans Zarkov. Oh, yeah. <laughs> any any comments on Zarkov, or I'll keep going. He's like the quintessential mad, but also quite lovable scientist, uh, which is, I think is just, you know. Yeah. Played by uh, Topol, who's uh, we just covered in our previous uh, Few Eyes Only episode. Um, but you can tell he is loving this film. He's so yeah. over the top. And apparently he's having he, so much fun. He got he they literally couldn't decide between him and another actor called Warren Oates to play the role. And it literally came down to Dino De Laurentiis doing a coin toss. Really? <laughs> oh, wow. Topol, who won it. Her so, fate was on his side. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what I like most about Zarkov is he's like, too, he's too, too good for all these people in this film. I want to see the adventures of Dr. Hans Zarkov. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Yes, exactly. Like just him traveling through the universe, you know, discovering planets, outsmarting people. Him yeah. and his assistant, uh, Munson. Yeah, yeah. Munson. He just seems to be such a great double Munson, act. you've come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. But he's like, just that, he just legs it. Yeah. <laughs> what actually happens wife? to Munson? Like, you know, he gets he's, squashed you know, by the plane. Does he oh, actually? The yeah. crashing oh, plane. That's a shame. Oh. Um, we have Princess Aura is next, who is basically a space hussy. Um, She's a femme fatale. <laughs> super hot, yeah. super loose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> She she yeah. sort of has some kind of sex bribery thing going on across <laughs> the kingdoms. Is there anyone sure she hasn't slept with? Maybe her dad? Clytus yeah. Ming. Well, although they kind of tease that maybe she has. That's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ew. Um, yeah. We've got Prince Baron, played by Timothy yes. Dalton, another um, tenuous James Bond link there. He that mustache. I don't know like what it is, but there's something about that mustache yeah. he's wearing. Do you know what? Out uh, of all of them, I feel like Dalton puts in the poorest performance. They're all quite eh. dramatic and theatrical, and he seems to sort of be... It's uh, not uh, autopilot. Yeah, maybe yeah. a bit on autopilot. Yeah. 
I don't know. He I mean, feels like Robin Hood. He seems to me like he's the one that's sort of trying to at least make something of his character and, you know, sort of, I'm trying to be the actor here uh, type thing. And, I'm a thespian, uh, darling. I'm a thespian, <laughs> yes. I'm, this is my stage, you know. Stand back and watch me act. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, he's like he seems the one to sort of been, you know, like where the rest is just goofing around having fun and Brian Blessed is going pew, pew, pew. Uh, he's the <laughs> one that's actually trying to, you know, yeah. be serious and his yeah. character was his motivation he has like some that. yeah he, he is the only one one of the few who has some sort of uh, character progression or like uh, yes you know, yeah actually yeah. that's a good point i yeah. think yeah he's probably well, the only one who has yeah. <laughs> prince no, Aurora has this a little bit as well mm. yeah baron um, yes and then the let, let's we've got general cletus who's ming's general he's a, he is quite comic book villain right he's not got he's a lot the to Darth Vader. Being yeah. A, yeah, yeah he is yeah. or dr doom yeah um <laughs> He was and made for this film to. He was, yeah. Oh, was he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not in the comics. He was oh. made for this to, I guess, compete or you know have that Star Wars. Aesthetic interesting. And interesting. Uh, there was a release of a later, uh, actually, sort of relatively recent Flash Gordon comic where he's in it uh, actually, and you get a little bit more on his backstory. So, uh, cool. uh, so yeah, he's interesting. And then I'll skip Voltan because we kind of discussed him already. Very loud, <laughs> very brash, having a whale of a time. Clearly having a whale of a time. Yeah. So and, let's move on. And those on. legs, man, he, he definitely did, he definitely <laughs> did not skip leg day. That's no. all I'm saying. <laughs> Crush a wall up between his thighs. Like, he's like, oh, God. And those tiny little very tight speedos he's wearing. <laughs> yeah. Why did I know? Why, why do I notice these things? I don't know. <laughs> um, so Earth is being destroyed by Ming. Dr. Zarkov and his two hostages, Flash and Dale, They've begun their mission into space where they travel through a psychedelic warp hole towards the planet Mongo. Um, after crash landing, they find themselves immediately captured by armed guards and escorted to Ming's palace. And it's here that we're greeted by a ceremony being held in Emperor Ming's honour. Would anyone like to pick things up from here? I think this is where it's really clear that you are definitely not in your average sci-fi movie of the yeah. time like this is not star wars because you're in a live comic book now i mean the amount of crazy amazing costumes that are that are on display in this scene here i think it's just amazing like i had to go back and rewatch this scene a couple of times because i was just so in awe of the costumes and the various uh, you know yeah. aesthetics that they are having and i think it's just amazing it's i mean what a great sort and of that set man like you see set, that throne yeah. room you've got this massive sort of you know red black and gold like art deco room with like kind of yeah. almost oriental kind of flavorings to it it's just in i've never seen anything like it in another film it's incredible it's it's one yeah. of the most impressive set pieces in this film in it yeah, yeah it's just definitely it's, it's like every bit of budget available has been pumped into this scene and you can feel that as well because they seem to be sort of sort of going back to it quite often as well as all the big kind of set pieces within the movie you know they all take place around the throne room which i think is yeah, uh, yeah. i think I, it's um, good because it's beautiful get their i stumbled across worth. an int <laughs> yeah i stumbled across an interview with uh i've forgotten the actress's name who, who plays dale um and she said that apparently the throne room set was later reused when De Laurentiis made Dune. So it shows ah. up in Dune. But I couldn't find anywhere to verify that. So I'm not entirely mm, sure if that's true. But get, um, and definitely get your money's worth, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I like sure. here that we're, we're introduced to Ming as well. Prior to this, he was just a VO at the start of the film. Mm -hmm. And they introduce this character and he sort of, he regally steps into this throne room. And immediately the dude just gets into action. One of his, I don't know what you call him, like one of his 
the keepers of one of the kingdoms has said that he can't gift Ming this time because Ming has destroyed his kingdom and we've got nothing <laughs> left. But we yeah. still give you our loyalty, which uh, Ming responds by saying, prove your loyalty, throw yourself on your sword. Which I thought, <laughs> dick move. Death to Ming. <laughs> Death to yeah. Ming, yeah. That yeah. scene as well is one of the things that I remember about this film quite vividly um, was all the various blood colours. You know, you got like blue, you yeah. got black, you got green. That was always something I remembered as a kid, like all the different blood colours. Yeah. yeah. And I'm you, wondering with this character, I think his name is Prince Thun or Toon or something like that. And um, his blood is blue and yeah. you sort of have this, you know, uh, blue blood um, thing that, you know, the royal, you know, like people of royal lineage, they have blue blood or something like that. So I'm wondering if they're sort of doing nice. a little bit of a, yeah. a play on that. Mm -hmm. uh, an interesting bit of trivia, well, I thought it was interesting, um, is that um, Prince Thun is... Uh, played by a guy called George Harris. And uh, he's one of those, you see him sort of popping up in various movies and everything like that. And I knew that I'd seen him before. But um, the actor, George Harris, he also was in Harry Potter uh, movies. He played, I don't know Harry Potter th uh, that well, but Kingsley Shacklebolt. So he's definitely in that. And Shackleballs. Shacklebolts, uh, <laughs> Shacklebolt. No, Bolt for sure. Okay. And he played Captain Katanga in Raiders of, of the Lost Ark. Oh, so yeah. the oh, captain man. who's uh, taking uh, Indy uh, in and... Um, and the arc uh, away. So I thought that was nice. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something else I like about this scene is um, not only are we shown that Ming is a bit of a bastard, but you kind of get this this hint that all the people around the throne room don't really like him either. They're sort of glances and nods and mumbles mm. that people don't like this guy. Mm. And then almost immediately, um, Flash, what, what's he say? Oh, this, this Ming's a psycho. psycho. Yeah. 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 Which they hear because the security drone captures him. And Ming almost immediately uh, takes a liking to Tail and then kind of uses some magic ring to like maybe rape her or something. I don't know um, what's going on there. So I read about this apparently in the in the script. They actually describe what this is. And she's actually having a hallucination where she's on an erotic picnic with Ming. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, that is some kind of mind rape, right? She's touching herself yeah. up and all sorts. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is um, a bit weird, that scene. Yeah. Uh... But, I don't imagine yeah. what an erotic picnic would include. But. <laughs> this does lead us into one of the most kick-ass fights of the entire film. Oh, yes. Queen soundtrack drops in and this weird like American football style <laughs> fight starts. Any, any comments on the, the fight itself? Well, just that Flash, in the beginning, he, he really sucks at fighting hand-to-hand. -hand. Like he, he gets <laughs> beaten up. And, and then someone, uh, Dr. Sarkov, sees one of these eggs... Uh, and he he throws it to Flash, and then he immediately becomes like an American football player, yeah. uh, and and just like rushes the guards and and, and uh, learns how to fight. Um, Apparently, this which, scene was yeah. improvised by uh, Sam Jones, and I've forgotten her name, who played Dale Arden, and they'd said that Flash is like this American all American <laughs> hero football player, and Dale is actually an all American girl who's a cheerleader. So this wasn't originally in the script. And they were like, why don't we have this American football fight? And that's why she's cheerleading. Go, Flash, go, go, Flash, go. And he's flashing through people. And yeah. I think I think it's a good shout, to be honest. They they led that. And yeah. it's made one of the most exciting scenes of the film. So they it's hadn't a actually... a great scene, yeah. They hadn't actually written what the fight was going to be. And when they just came to do it on the day, it was kind of like a lot of the crew members were apparently suggesting, you know, he whacks this guy and he does this. And apparently, yeah, it was Sam Jones who said, no, you know, I don't think his character would do this. And then yeah, it was him. Yeah, yeah so you just say, Leon, he improvised and suggested the uh, American football scene, which is totally in character. It, it works, works really well. Yeah. 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 Well, what the other thing this revealed was apparently while they were filming it, all of the crew were checking the rushes, like the footage out, 
and they were all laughing. And this is where they discovered that all the Italian people who'd been hired didn't speak very good English. And they thought they were making a very serious science fiction film. And all the British crew thought that they were making a silly, campy science fiction <laughs> film. And this kind of persisted throughout the entire production of Flash Gordon, where all the Italian people think they're making very serious sci-fi, and all the British are clearly making a silly film. And that's why it's acted so straight throughout the whole film. And that's kind of what makes it work, is it's never played like it's a joke. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah, true, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think there's something funny about this scene that, yes, it starts out with Flash getting his ass kicked, and he, you know, he... Yeah, he's basically being punished. And then you're right, then um, Sarkov, he throws him this ball and Flash catches it. And then it's almost like his muscle memory kind of sets in and he <laughs> yeah. kind of goes, oh yeah, I could, oh yeah, I could do that. And then, yeah, what follows is a, you know, really hilarious, it's kind of one-sided uh, galactic football match where he is just taking the punishment to them and it's just hilarious. I like and that the Botan aliens are all wearing... lovely cheap shot. I like that all the aliens the were wearing quarterback costumes as well, like they're ready for this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, a galactic exactly. Yeah. Have you been giving your men the right pills? I love that bit as well. Maybe you should execute their trainer. Like, yeah, maybe you should. Yeah. And I love that they've all got these weird goofy teeth, like they're all meant to look really dumb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. they always like, you know, he gets into this huddle and shouts out like like what is it they shout out at football? Hot, like, hot, like, three, yeah, like one, two, two, or three. Yeah. 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 And they look so they have no idea what the hell is going on. Yeah, it's just amazing. a lovely kind of comic moment. Yeah. Um while we're talking about Ming's Palace and this structure, um, Ming's Palace and Mingo City are a huge structure full of military control rooms, a grand hall, torture chambers, prison cells, a scientific laboratory and a super sexy, silky love room. And it's here that we witness three other major scenes in the films. We've got the brainwashing of Zarkov, the drugging of Dale and Princess Aura's torture. Mm. Should, we, um, should we jump into the brainwashing of Zarkov and have a quick chat about that scene? Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, this scene actually upset me quite a bit. Um that sort of, um, it's just something, uh, you know, um, his, his, his whole life kind of being flushed out in reverse. And I remember just finding that quite, um, quite uh, disturbing. And also because you see, you know, he loses his wife, you know, he's in World War II, um, yeah. uh, you know, he's off, you know, he obviously has a lot of bad memories and they're all kind of coming out there. And um the way it's done, the way it's cut and the sound and it's very sort of distorted. And um, yeah, I, I just remember that upset me quite a bit. And yeah. then, uh, you know, you kind of see him sort of going into childhood and then he just becomes all like blank completely. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's actually quite, and I think this is sort of a general thing that um, it actually does quite well, the movie, because it does have these ridiculously, you know, and fun scenes like the football match. And then it has these really, duck moments um, as well. Like, you know, we're in the dungeon where Flash is and he's sort of saying goodbye to Dale. Um, there is the execution, uh, the execution as well, mm. which I just, which I still think is mm. gnarly. And then uh, the memory wipe and brainwash of Did anyone and, else get like some, you know, Nazi vibes, like, you know, have the executions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And, Definitely. and you see moment, the I can't think of what he says, but there's a moment where uh, Adolf Hitler appears yeah, he during says, the brainwash uh, scene. No, yeah, he, he, no, he says, showed promise. Yes. Yeah, no, there's exactly. a guy who shows promise. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And of course, Kleisters would, of course, Kleisters would say that. But uh, yeah, I think that's also one of the strengths of Flash is that it sort of it, it balances these you know type of scenes quite well. Actually, without sort mm. of well, interesting. Going you should in, say that because if you read about the making of 
This is actually a leftover from where the Italian crew and the original writers were making a very serious dark sci-fi. And I think there's a few scenes where th this is an example of one where it's the dark leftovers of what this film was supposed to be before this kind of British director and camp intrusion happened. <laughs> camp <Yeah>. intrusion. <laughs> I love yeah. the, the massive fucking ray gun as well, pointing at Tarkov's head yeah. through the framework. Yeah. The, the thought amplifier, I think they're called. Is that what, yeah. 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 This mm. thing's like fucking ginormous. It's like a big blue whale hanging from the ceiling with just this ray gun aimed right between his <laughs> yeah, eyes. right in his head. Um, it it kind of reminds me a little bit of that scene in, is it Goldfinger, where 007 is strapped to this huge laser and, uh, you know, he's trying to get cut up it sort of yeah, reminded me a little bit of that it's just now they're trying to cut his brain uh, instead yeah well <laughs> yeah. the overall ambition isn't it is that they're uh, they're going to brainwash him and then reprogram him as yeah. an agent of Ming yeah. yeah which which we find out later doesn't work because doesn't surprise work. he armoured his brain by reciting Shakespeare <laughs> <laughs> oh, a song from the Beatles yeah, <laughs> yeah even the classy Beatles, yeah. bastard yeah. <laughs> it was at that moment I was like I need to see the adventures of Dr. Hans Zarko <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, so another scene in Mingo City is we've got the, the drugging of Dale, which happens mm. uh, multiple times across the film. But this idea that <laughs> um, Ming is going to wife her and we've got the, the servant room, the drug in. Any, any comments on this? Well, it's like also a, the uh, wonderful like a, uh, telepathic conversation between yeah, yeah. Flash and Dale. <laughs> Some sort of, uh, you know, date rape drug that he gives her. Uh, that she is to drink to make the experience more bear bearable, which well, yeah, yeah, um, which I thought was quite mean that he gives it, she gives it to someone else with the intention of yeah. making one of the servants sleep with Ming instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, well done, yeah. Dale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know this slave girl that she drugs and disguises, and you know she's probably been executed by you know getting kicked off uh, into the void, and you know is probably crashing towards uh, towards Arboria now or something mm. like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. so, hey, there's this Dale moment as well. Um, so there's been the whole drug and there's the wonderful telepathic conversation where Flash is like, oh my God, she's turning me on. What did you say? <laughs> oh, sorry, I was talking about someone else. Um, but when Ming finally comes in to have his way with Dale in this room, he comes in and he's literally rubbing his hands together and licking his lips. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old Proper man. creepy Just old man. thinking about that yeah. picnic. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm going to have some picnic now. <laughs> and then he sees her It's like, you... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the, the other scene that happens in uh, Mingo City that we should talk about is there's the torturing of Aura, mm. Ming's own daughter. That happens a bit later, right? That happens like it after, does. yeah, after they've been to Ar Arbora, uh, yeah. right? And, and she gets captured. Yeah, that's right. She's, she's been found out for being like a, a turncoat for freeing Flash. Well, yes, so they, she, they she yeah, she, yeah, um, she, uh, resuscitated the flash right from the dead uh, yeah. with, with the help of a doctor who, who was also her lover yeah uh, she sexually bribes her way through yeah. a series <laughs> of scenes until she's eventually caught she's but, quite an interesting character that you never kind of really know what her motives are other than I think she just kind of thinks of it all as a bit of a joke and flash is kind of a play thing and all of these people are her play things yeah, and, yeah she's kind yeah, of she's doing like whatever privileged. she wants right? yeah. yeah exactly yeah so you know, she she kind of starts out as this very spoiled brat, and then eventually she kind of wakes up. Uh, you Look, know. tears. Yes, <laughs> they're actual tears. I thought it was just earthlings who who yeah. could cry. Um, so she's tied face down to a bed by shiny metal gloves gripping her wrists <laughs> and her ankles. She's wearing a very tight red cat suit and has a great butt. 
while a latex-wearing Carla whips her like a dominatrix. This is probably the first time as a child I learned what hard-on was. Yeah, <laughs> or, or, or BDSM, right? Like it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember as a kid there was something appealing about this scene and at the time I didn't really know what it was. Probably. Watching it now, I know very much uh, what it was. Many a kid has had an uh, awakening... But, yeah, you know. like Princess Aura's butt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, but yeah, this again, this kind of goes to I think was you Dan said that you know, flash the you know the whole movie is you know it's it's very sort of erotically charged and yeah. they seem yeah. to it doesn't I mean it doesn't seem to have happened by accident like you know they you know they properly you know dial this up on purpose I'm um, I'm uh, I'm sure um, yeah yeah I, mean, I think that, that scene, was actually Mike Hodge's choice to do that yeah I think that's yeah, what he wanted to get like in for a the dominatrix, isn't it yeah 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 <laughs> um, the, I think another interesting moment here is and it's a lovely moment where you get to see how mean Ming is that um Princess Aura doesn't realise that Ming is part of this, so she's threatening Cletus. Like, when my father finds out about this, he'll he'll have your head or whatever. Yeah. And M- Ming has been, like, behind this, like, hidden room just eating a bowl of olives. Carry on. Yeah. Damn you, father. He's yeah. basically just thinking what everyone else watching this film is thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly hunched over with his uh, hard-on as well. It's like his entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> he also, after that, he... He kind of offers to pimp his daughter out after threatening that she'll be banished to uh, Frigidia for a year. He basically says, when she comes back, I might marry her to you, Cletus. And Cletus is buzzing. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's his motive, right? Like, that's, his, yeah, totally. you know, that's what he wants, yeah. But I there's like, something yeah. about that that kind of made me wonder because I, I think Ming is saying I'm, I might marry her to someone who's worthy of her treacherous nature. Um, <laughs> yeah. So is he then saying that, you know, he fully expects uh, Cletus to, you know, be... The mm. traitor as well at some point yes apparently something. it's underplayed but in the script um there is almost a competition between cletus and Kara. yeah and ming suspects that one of them could overthrow him quite easily so he actually plays them off against mm. each other to yeah. stop that from happening so yeah i think he actually does expect at some point cletus might make some pass against his leadership yeah but then it's also kind of ming's way of saying i'm watching you clytus and mm. you know clytus is completely like over here because he just says i'm getting aurora how how can i ever repay you your majesty you know, he, <laughs> yeah. you know he's just completely you know super happy about it uh now so yeah. super excited <laughs> <laughs> um just before we leave minko city as well in the in the sort of the sexual chamber or whatever it is the <laughs> drugging room i suppose we have to call it there's a scene later as well talking about this whole sexually charged thing where Princess Aura turns up and her and Dale have like a, a sort pillow of sexy fight. pillow fight, fight yeah. rolling around the bed. And it's just so sort of, it's soft porn in it. Yeah. You know? yeah. There's no yeah. no purpose other than like, look at these two hot women pillow fighting. I was watching, <laughs> I watched this uh, with my wife and um, one of the first kind of scenes you have with um, Timothy Dalton and Princess Aura, she's like, you know, oh, you go back to Arborean. I'll be there to join you in a minute. And then he's just like, lying bitch. bitch. Yeah, my wife yeah. was like, all right, wow, yeah. all right. <laughs> Calm yeah, down. But he knows. He, he knows. knows. Yeah. The moment his back is turned, she'll be all over Flash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's probably been burnt and scorned quite a, you know, quite a few times now. And, uh, you know, sort of... I don't know what he's what expecting. He's yeah. yeah. I mean, she <laughs> even has like a pet, like human thing. Like on the chain that she drags around, she's so, yeah, that dwarf called, uh, called Fellini. Yeah, so <laughs> apparently, laugh. the the original director these guys wanted was Federico Fellini, um, ah. and 
they didn't get him. Well, they, you know, um, so yeah, they ended up calling this this dwarf Fellini as some Amazing. sort of joke. <laughs> so after the fight in the throne room, um, Flash was destined to be executed. But thanks to some sexual trickery from Princess Aura, they've made their escape and travelled to the planet Arborio to ask Prince Baron for help. And it's here on this planet that we have the rites of passage, Flash's trial of the wood beast against Baron, mm. and the escape. Would anyone like to pick up and speak of planet Arborio? The wood beast uh, is one of the main parts of this film, I remember, of all others. Um, mm. When they got to planet Arborio, all the creatures and the wood beast in particular, and that thing that tries to eat Flash in the thing, that stuff mm. fucked me up. I had yeah. so many yeah. nightmares. and Yeah, it, it was almost on the same level as, um, you know, like in... Uh, Wrath of Khan, Star Trek, where he has the worms that go into their ears, like that yeah. kind of stuff. Like anything with weird creatures like that, a weird maybe nature. That, maybe that's the boar, boar worms that they're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Could be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Bjorn worms. The yeah, the Bjorn worms. worms. Yeah. But yeah, this this stuff, yeah, that sticks with me for sure. Yeah. It's again, it's one of those great examples of how they balance sort of this uh, light and very colorfulness with, you know dark and very oppressive like i think the scenes on aborius I, I think are sort of like my favorite scenes in flash because it's so like when mingo city is so colorful and so dazzling and over the top um aboria is nitty gritty dirty it's you know it's a scary place it's mm. you know got these uh you know gnarly trees and fog and it's just very oppressive and these you know, like things will come out of the ground and, you know, eat you alive. Um, and uh, I remember as well, the wood beast was one of the things that I found quite, uh, you know, sort of quite dark and got a little bit upset by again when I was a kid because, um, so you have this rite of passage yeah. that apparently all the young men on Aboria, they have to go through where they have to put their hand into this tree stump where this, they call it the wood beast. It's, it's like yeah. this big scorpion type thing. It's, you know, uh, sitting in there. Mm. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, they have to put their hands in a number of times and then eventually, you know, hopefully they uh, survive. But if they get stung, they will die. But then they will uh, either, so they can either choose to, uh, you know, uh, you know, die with, you know, it comes with madness or they can ask Prince Baron to basically spare them and kill them like, uh, and, you know, kill them like straight away. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, I wonder it's, how many you know, teenagers quite a dark thing. die before manhood in this process. It seems like such a strange <laughs> yeah. thing to do. Right, you're 16, put your hand in here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's whoa, basically whoa, whoa, whoa. a barbarous yeah, exactly. version of natural selection, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, again, dark and grisly. Well, that's interesting, Jesper, that you point out as well that, you know, and I totally agree with you, you know, you do move from this very vibrant kind of fun area to then probably what is one of the most darker parts of the film, both in terms of theme and the environment but the initial set when they built this it was actually full of massive pink trees it was really bright <laughs> really crazy and yeah the director complained about it He's like, i can't sh shoot in this i can't mm. like so they had to yeah. revert it back yeah it kind of i think i mean this is a bit far out but i think there's a little bit of a reference to star wars within this set here because um uh like again you know a like Arborius, a forest world, it's, you know, it's uh, dark. It's got these all these beasts. And in Star Wars, you have the Wookiee homeworld. It's called Kashyyyk, which is also, you know, basically a big wooden planet. It's, you know, it's dark. It's got these swamps and, you know, mm. huge creatures. So I think there's an interesting little bit of, uh, you know, connection there. On that Star Wars reference, I also think when, uh, when Dale makes her escape from the sort of the sex drugging room, she starts running through corridors and she's fighting red guards. And it's just like stormtroopers. It, yeah. Like it is Star Wars. I think the the it's hard to talk about Flash Gordon without mentioning the 
the sheer quantity of references to Star Wars. Mm. Well, I mean, George Lucas originally wanted to do um, uh, Flash Gordon, like do a remake of Flash mm. Gordon, and he tried to get the rights but couldn't. So he ended up, uh, you know, writing Star Wars, which he in, sort of initially in his mind was a quote-unquote poor man's Flash Gordon. And obviously we know Star Wars became a huge success. So mm. kind of in reverse, what they wanted to do here was sort of capitalize on the success that Star Wars had. And they figured, well, Flash Gordon must, uh, you know, must be the obvious choice uh, for this. So it's sort of, you know, that's why it's funny kind of seeing how Flash Gordon, the movie, is trying to reference things that Star Wars have done. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think the addition of Clytus as this Darth Vader character is you know, quite a clear reference. There's a funny bit of irony in that as well, in that um, King Pictures, who owned the rights to Flash Gordon, turned down George Lucas to make the film because they actually wanted the rights to John Carter of Mars, not Flash Gordon, but ended up with Flash Gordon. So even this was their second choice. But as soon as Star Wars came out and was this mega hit, everybody wanted in on the sci-fi action. So they just took the rights to what they had, which was Flash Gordon, and made this film. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm going to drag us back. Back to Arborea. <laughs> um, so we've got... Flash has been captured by Prince Baron, who really doesn't like the guy, probably because of how much Princess Aura clearly does like Flash. Yeah. <laughs> and he challenges him to Trial of the Wood Beast. And we find out he's a cheating little bastard. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he changes the, the rules like midway through. Yeah, it's also funny that the, the way he gets Flash to to you know participate is to call him a coward and then immediately Flash he's like let's do it that. i'm not a coward <laughs> like you motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> um, i like yeah. that flash outsmarts him here as well yeah. he pretends to be stung by the wood beast doesn't he ah oh, put me out of my so, misery so, so baron. baron is even dumber than flashes <laughs> and that's saying something <laughs> yeah. that is saying something flashing his wily earth tricks tricked you baron <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tricked you baron yeah. and then he makes his escape and this is where where you were saying about the planet Jesper mm. I actually think it's during Flash's escape that the planet is best they climb down the vine <laughs> although he climbs down the vine immediately falls into a swamp <laughs> and nearly drowns drags himself out gasps for air and he's laying on some creature pit and it's like he just goes from death to death <laughs> yes, or like near death experience to near death experience yeah until that, the, that big tick creature is awesome as well. Yeah. That thing that tries swallowing him. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's like this is blowing up this, like, there's like this belly thing that's kind of coming up, that's kind of opening up and taking him in. And you've got these tentacle arms are coming in. Everything is slimy. It looks like it smells yeah. really bad and everything. It's, yeah, it's, it's a great one. I, like I said, I watched this with my wife um, going in and she didn't remember the film. I don't think she'd ever really seen it or she had. She was very young. Um, but she said, you know, what, what's it like? And I said, yeah, you know, it's good. It's good fun. It's, you know, sci-fi, very campy. Uh, and she said, you know, what, what, what do you mean by campy? Like, you know, what, what can you define? <laughs> you'll, <by> see. That? <laughs> yeah, you'll see. <laughs> and I said, the only thing I can really kind of relate this to in that sense is almost maybe the Rocky Horror Picture Show in that sort of, you know, yeah. fun kind of campy. And funnily enough, who turns up in our yeah, Richard, Richard O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> Will you start the fans, please? Okay, has anyone got anything else to share on Planet Arborea or shall I well, move us along? How the hell did the Hawkman come get there? That, that's something we... Oh, oh you've opened yeah. a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can they of they worms. flew. They've got wings, Bjorn. Yeah, well, true. Why are they but there? Why? Yeah. <laughs> why? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Is it because they want to capture them, Flash for themselves? to you know to to uh to hand but over how to would me they know he's there yeah, yeah. I, I don't I, know this is the, this is the only plot hole i see in the whole film like the real fucking plot hole it's like mm. what just happened 
<laughs> well, they say that. So the way that I remember the scene and the way that I've um, saw it is that they're there to actually kidnap or take Baron because Voltan wants a word with him, but we never figure out what it is he wants. Like what Walt. <laughs> what Voltan wants to talk to Baron about. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just good timing that they're there. Yeah. Um, you, you get know, the impression Flash there's... just happens to be there. Leon, you mentioned this earlier, and um, you know, I think you get the impression of there's, there's the seeds being sown of rebellion against mm -hmm. Ming there. And I think all of these different um, right. kind of kingdoms are not only kind of trying to get together to rebel, but they're not really getting on that well either. So, yeah. Well, look, Nice segue. Dale and Zarkov are at Voltan's kingdom, having been rescued by some Hawkmen. And we now find the entire cast reuni reunited for trial by combat. To the death! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is where we've got uh, Dale, Zarkov, Voltan, Baron, Flash. I think that's everyone. All that's in everyone. one kind of, what would you call it? What, where are they? Anyone want to pick up? Well, this is the thing, I, uh, and I think I alluded to it earlier. It's like, um, it looks like... It, this used to be a very modern kind of high-tech kingdom. Like, you know, it's not... The, so the kingdom is not a, you know, broken piece of planet like the, like, Aborea, for instance. It's like, this is held up by these huge rocket engines. That's, so it's like a floating city, uh, almost. Yeah. that kind of rivals Ming City, uh, almost. Um, and I just always thought it was a little bit weird that this super high-tech, very sophisticated-looking world, and then you have the, these, dare I say, dirty hawkmen, you know, <laughs> sort of having this absolutely crazy party in there, throwing food and everything like that uh, around. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I mean, again, like, I'm sure there's history there, but that's outside the movie. Mm -hmm. It all feels a bit kind of like, I don't know, Roman or something. They're all in these kind yeah. of ancient costumes, and it's like the throne room is almost like a gladiatorial pit, but on yeah. this robotic platform rather than... Yeah. Mm. With lions which, in the sand, yeah. Which again is like this, you know, it's a great scene, it's a great setup, this whole kind of, you know, like everything around their culture seems to be built around trials by combat and, you know, probably the world that they all inhabit is, you know, you either, you know, you either like toughen up um, and you survive yeah. uh, or you die. So it's better if you die straight away. For Sparta. Than, yeah, for, yeah, Sparta. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, well, it's here we learn that. Um, sorry, Bjorn, after you. No, and then they have a whip whip fight. I mean, <laughs> okay, <a> whip fight. <laughs> so let me lead into that. We we discover that um, uh, Voltan's kingdom and Hawkmen are going to hand Baron over to Ming for treachery. Mm. But uh, Prince Baron asks before they hand him over, he deserves uh, to be given a yeah. trial by combat and chooses mm. trial by combat with Flash Gordon to the death. Yeah, <laughs> and they have a fight on a platform with spikes and a void below it. Anyone want to talk about the fight? I think it's a great. There's the setup. I think is great. Like you know, it starts out with being just this platform. Um, I think okay. I mean, it's hovering over this huge void, mm. and then someone hands Voltan a remote control, like this big <laughs> massive remote control, yeah. and he can then make the platform tilt which is bad enough, but then all of a sudden he hits a button and then these spikes come out. And he is laughing well. his head off, he man. Is he is fucking well. loving this. I just yeah. can't get over that they actually... You, you, this would never fly today, like, you know, health and safety and all of this shit, you know? Like, yeah. these guys fighting in the midst of spikes, you know? Yeah. And a void. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I listened to um, an interview with Sam Jones and he was talking about the experience of this fight and he was saying, like, it doesn't look as... Dangerous as obviously as it does in film, but it was still, you know, if you fell, you could still get a nasty nick. Apparently these spikes, well, they were still metal. They were just hollow and it had a rubber tip. Foam. 
No, they, they were, yeah, they're totally metal spikes. <laughs> and he was saying ah. the, the platform itself was actually tilting and it was about 20 to 30 feet off the floor and all they had to fall on underneath was boxes. Oh, oh man. God. So oh, it's actually man. really fucking dangerous. Apparently it was all made really badly as well. And between takes, they'd have to go around to all the Hawkmen and wipe them down because the grey paint from the platform was splattering all over <laughs> from where oh, it was so badly made. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this fight is an example of like Bjorn was saying earlier as well, where, where it begins... Flash is completely outclassed by Prince Baron, who's a fighter, mm. and Flash is all brawn. And then it just turns into a whip fight like this. <laughs> and I love that he's going through this, you know, quite intense fight. There's the spikes and the things tilting. He's got to take on his opponent. And in the background, Dale's like, Flash, I love you, but we've only got 14 hours to save the yeah. Earth. It's like, yeah. don't die under pressure. Yeah. He's bright purple and being yeah. choked out. And he's like, yeah. I don't really give a shit right now, Dale. Could you have picked a better time? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> It's like, I love you too. Yeah. It's funny, just, just before the fight, she says like, oh boy, do, do I have some crazy stories to tell you? And Flash is like, save them for our kids. And she's like, oh, I accept. Yeah. And, and apparently, and apparently that, that means that they're hours. engaged. Yeah, yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, that was quick. The funny thing is though, had it been uh, Princess Aura instead of Dale walked into that room, he'd have fucking married yeah. her instead. He doesn't yeah. give a shit who it is. Oh yeah, we'll have kids. Yeah, you yeah. and me, we'll have kids too. Yeah. Anyone else want kids? <laughs> Just throw them out. <laughs> Total, Total man whore. Flash. Um, so after a, a fairly ludicrous fight on a, a rotating platform with spikes, the big finale of this film begins to happen. Cletus arrives in what can only be described as a giant golden dildo. Um, shaped as a wasp. <laughs> yeah, well, shaped as a penis, I think. Yeah. Like, no, no joke, they're dildos, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All the spaceships are dildos. My wife was saying, wow, that's very phallic, isn't it? And I was like, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I wanted to mention uh, Cletus or Cletus here because he turns up, he kind of throws his weight around like, you're in the shit, you're in the shit, you're in the shit. <laughs> and then almost immediately gets pushed onto the spikes by Flash and has this glorious death with eyeballs oh, <laughs> bursting yeah. out. And... Uh, I mean... Clytus, yes, I'm sure he's a big badass and everything like that, but still, he's, he's he is... Ugly motherfucker, he is, yeah. He is. <laughs> but also, I mean, surely he needs to have a little bit of sense of the situation, right? Like, he is one guy. He yeah. goes into a room full of Hawkmen who aren't on the best of terms with Ming anyway. And Clytus is, you know, he's no Darth Vader. You know, he's quite a... <laughs> More little guy, you know, he faces up up to Baron and Clytus, he has to look up to Baron like quite significantly. And he just goes in there thinking that, oh, I'm just going to threaten them and then I'm just going to be able to walk away, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, no, he definitely isn't. So he's got power above his station, like for sure. Oh, completely. He's, completely. he's picking himself up like the big man and he's like, never yeah. say fuck off. Like, yeah, totally. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he, he lasts seconds. He gets yeah. about a minute of gobbing off before they... I think Baron decks him and then Flash gives him like an American football tackle. On tackle and throws yeah. him onto these spikes and yeah, it's that like face, one of those... That death, oh. that's nasty. Oh, it is nasty. It is absolutely nasty. Well, yeah. I think I that's really one of the like points, Yes, you said about how the film balances in campy stuff and then it's all of a sudden really dark and that is one of those moments like watching with my wife she's like well sure. like, you know, I didn't expect that like that's yeah, exactly. pretty horrible exactly <laughs> I like that uh, Kara has a death later and she melts like that as well yeah, yeah. it's great exactly yeah. and she kind of melts into this black tar type thing that just oozes down yeah. the steps she's lying mm. on yeah. I'm pulling the visor off the dude's eyes oh man yeah that's <laughs> that scene as well yeah dark 
But it's Clyde is actually dead video. because, yeah, uh, as we know, if we jump out to the end of the film... Uh, <laughs> Spoilers, Bjorn, look out. Yeah, it's a spoiler, <laughs> but that's what we do in this show. Um, but yeah, no, apparently he, he survived maybe, or they tried to set up that he survived. Um, because the ring at the end of the, of the film, the ring was actually Clytus' ring. Clytus' ring. And, uh, I think uh, I heard something. No, but he actually... He, yeah, well... Maybe I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I, I think you had it's an Ming's. That I'd never realised. No. I think it's supposed to be Ming's ring, but the gloved hand is actually. Ah, yeah, I think right. Michael Wingard, who played Clytus, alluded to that. It might actually be him that picks it up. Interesting. Well, there were supposed to be two sequels, weren't they? But this flopped, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Um, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, what, what I like. Um, so Clytus has come in. He's gobbed off right. Immediately gets killed. <laughs> and the thing is that uh, Prince Voltan, who has an entire Hawkman army, instead of thinking, yeah, you're right, this is this is our moment, he's like, fuck this shit. Hawkman, we're off. <laughs> and they just all fuck off. Like, they yeah. leave the kingdom, we're leaving, we're out of here. And even Baron is like, would you not think this is the opportunity for us to go and take on Ming? Voltan's yeah. like, fuck this. <laughs> just before, the, you know, when, when uh, so when uh, Flash uh, saves Baron, you know, uh, uh, Voltan is like, what is this? And then... Uh, the, the the girl says humanity it's like madness <laughs> madness madness there's a bit in the film as well where I think um, uh, Zarkov is talking about humanity and he says a line like oh it's what makes us better than you mm. I thought yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well lardy da yeah. exactly. coming off it's, your earth you know insulting all these aliens yeah, well, yeah better exactly. than you You've barely been in this dimension or this galaxy for like 24 hours. You're already like slagging them off. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, the Adventures of Dr. Hans Zarkov. <laughs> <laughs> so Ming... Better than you. <laughs> Ming, having offered Flash an opportunity to become ruler of Earth and subsequently being rejected, flies back to his palace to marry Dale. The palace released War Rocket Jesper, War Rocket Ajax to destroy <laughs> Flash. However, Flash has other plans teaming up with Prince Voltan and Prince Baron to stage their counterattack. And it's here that the bombastic Flash Gordon finale begins. Oh, My favourite tune comes in. I love this, this tune. I mean, this is great. Like you have, you have Brian May shredding in the background <laughs> the, the main theme, and then he also shreds the, the wedding theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which sounds suspiciously a lot like the wedding theme from earth as well yeah. it's universal yeah. yeah it must be clearly so they were like oh. we need this brian may character bring him to the wedding <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or maybe brian may is an alien yeah, yeah. maybe he is he plays alien, like an alien. <laughs> oh. um i fucking love this scene like, it's just yeah. what i love about it is it's noisy it's noisy yes. and it's full-on hawkmen are diving and lasers are shooting in all directions and like queen is thrashing in the background jug 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 and it's like it's, yeah it's awesome yeah. just every, it's, it's like they've just let it go everything yeah. is a build-up to now and this is one when you're watching this like as a kid you are so well in you know so well into it you know you're jumping up and down the furniture pretending you're a hawkman and everything yeah, like now. that this is it this is it this is great um there's one thing i just want to clarify and i need you guys to help me with this so uh they're so they're luring a uh, space rocket a war rocket uh war ajax, rocket ajax war rocket into this cloud and then they're gonna and then the hawkmen are then and they're gonna ambush it yeah and um voltan is there and he's and, and he's telling his hawkmen to what was he saying he's saying first division now 
Is he saying dive? Dive. Or dive. Dive. Or, yeah. or it does sound like dive. I, I, dive. I, watch, I watch this movie with subtitles and he says, dive. Dive. Yeah. Okay, D-I-V-E. Yeah. <laughs> because that was so much one of the things I was like, is he saying, is he telling him to go and die or actually dive? <laughs> you know? Well, it's, it's the basically way... the same thing because they're like open fodder, right? For the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They get dictator. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we got that settled then. I, I quite like it. Well, I don't know if I like it or if it's quite sad. Waves and waves of Hawkmen are blasted in this scene. Like, mm. they, they are literally fodder. Just keep sending them in. And, it, and the idea isn't necessarily to outsmart War, War Rocket Ajax. It's just to overwhelm it. Yeah. And, and the Hawkmen are like, just keep soaking up wave after wave of Hawkmen until yeah. we eventually make it. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's probably also sort of looking at them. You know, they are clearly like the warrior people of this world. And that's probably sort of part of their culture. Like, you know, it's better to die yeah. in open For battle Sparta. than... Yes, exactly. Um, then to, you know, hide and, you know, die a slow death of, of, of oppression or something like that. There's a lovely um, moment on the wing as well, where there's this huge laser battle happening. And uh, Prince Voltan is literally punching people to death and laughing his head <laughs> off every time. Exactly. Bang, dead. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got this really kind of comic uh, sound effect because he's basically sort of bashing their heads in and you know it's kind of like doing doing yeah, 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 yeah. it's so good. great I, I actually read as well we we look at it now and we've we've said that the special effects aren't necessarily that good but actually in some of the making of they're saying that some of the techniques they were using there were breaking boundaries only them and star wars had tried this kind of stuff and where they've got like hundreds and hundreds of hawkmen in the sky it's all it's all cutting edge stuff yeah. yeah. Um yeah, it's amazing. I mean, and did you hear here that the costumes were so uncomfortable and so big to wear that the Hawkman between takes could only lay on their stomachs? Yeah. Yes. So exactly. behind set you just just have like 50, 60 men laying on their stomachs <laughs> with wings. Just, like, just like they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> they apparently built a perch for Brian Blessed to sit on between takes, and all the crew members kept making jokes at like, you know, ah, pretty Polly and like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't happy. Yeah. I can imagine. What a character. Um, yeah. So what a character. the Hawkman and Flash have overwhelmed uh, War Rocket Ajax. And now they're on a kamikaze mission towards the palace. But meanwhile in the palace, um, Aura, Baron and Zarkov have made an es escape and they're trying to take down some palace security because Kara has unleashed like a laser shield and a fury of weapons. But all the time this is happening, there's a royal wedding going on yeah um any anyone like to comment on the the wedding or the noise or the palace or what's happening well again i mean kudos to brian may and his uh, th shredding of the <laughs> wedding waltz theme i just think is brilliant but uh, i mean it's such a great cacophony such a great you know chaos of everything that's just happening like you know Baron is running around gunning soldiers down in the hallways and uh, Sarkov is pressing all kinds of various buttons to try and disable this laser shield. Uh, the wedding is going on with the... Uh, uh, <laughs> it's actually got a quite a comical scene because the priest is trying to get Ming to recite the wedding <laughs> yeah. vows. And stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it's just so much stuff that's like, going you on. You promise not to blast her into space when you're done with her? And he looks at him furious like until you think it's an appropriate time. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and then that, uh, that classic scene of, you know, the ring and Ming, he holds out his hand and then the priest goes, the ring, the ring, the ring. Yeah. And there's a moment of absolutely sheer panic. <laughs> there's a wonderful Timothy Dalton moment as well where he kicks into the, like, the security control room. It's like, freeze, you bloody bastards. I was just going to mention this that. scene. That line got the most laughs out of me just because of the delivery. It's amazing. So good. <laughs> you bloody bastards. 
they they take out Kara there as well who has this amazing flamethrower kind of like Ripley from Aliens Mm. yeah Um, and she dies just like (laughs) thank you (laughs) (laughs) and she dies just like Clytus did which I thought was interesting because it Mm. suggests they're all the same race whoever these people Mm. are interestingly in the comic book uh, they actually changed her Uh, in the comic book she's actually uh, a man and she is king of the shark men which sounds Mm. cool yeah wow that's Totally puts all on the back foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. King of the shark, man. She used to be a man. Wow. <laughs> and the shark. Not just a man. And, and the shark. shark. She is exactly. the sexiest man. <laughs> she is, yeah. There's something about that face and her German accent, although the actress herself, I think, is actually uh, um, is actually Italian. Italian, I think. yeah. So, yeah. Correct. Um, but yeah. Um, Great so there's, you know, I think you, you, you chose the best word a minute ago. Yes, but there's this cacophony of noise and there's a wedding happening and Brian makes fucking shredding and the lasers are going off and in the distance you see Flash in the cockpit of War Rocket Ajax just thundering towards them and they smash through the palace window and everyone screams and gets out of the way and Flash has perfectly skewered Ming with the uh, spike <laughs> on, the on the front of Ajax. Yeah. 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 And uh, sadly... I remember memorable for me as well. Again, Ming's yeah. green blood and yeah. Yeah. It's and actually quite a good villain death because I mean he I mean I mean he hasn't just sort of nicked him like in the back you know like Ming is properly totally lodged on and then he does that sort of you know I'm still powerful bad guy you know Ming tried to loosen himself from this yeah. spear and it's quite a it, you know he needs to take quite a few steps as he slowly kind of <laughs> slides know, off slides off this uh, <laughs> this massive spike and he kind of does it with such a I don't know this just made me laugh, but he's really put, he's really like putting in the effort. And then at the end, he just goes, Ugh, like that. Like, like, oh, that was a nice feeling. Just like, me laugh. Max von Sydow throughout this whole film fucking owns Ming. Like he oh, is, he is yeah. in his essence being he's this, this evil character. Yeah. And, and I like as well for Ming, the character right up until the very last moment, he still acts like an emperor. Yes. He never lowers himself. He's still too good for you all. Did you guys catch with the cinematography? So at the start of the film, when you're first introduced to Ming, he's always filmed from a low angle up as if he's elevated, as if he's above everybody else. And then about midway through the film, all of his shots are kind of on a more middle level. So you're almost at him at an equal. And then towards the end of his death, he's always filmed from above as if he's basically, it's you're visualizing the fall of an emperor. Yeah, Mm. That's a fucking amazing observation. Yeah. Like, yeah, great. Nice touch for cinematography, but Mm. fucking well spotted as well. Mm. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was quite yeah, quite an interesting kind of way to visually represent yeah, the downfall. Um, has anybody got any last comments or scenes of the film that need to be um, discussed or perhaps any interesting trivia about Flash Gordon that we're not aware of? Well, one thing I thought that uh, might be worth mentioning is that this film has, I mean, it definitely has a cult following, right? And, and uh, mm. um, But it also has gotten a lot of criticism recently for kind of being a bit racist and yeah. i mean obviously the main character is like a chinese emperor right and uh it's played by a very white guy in max von Sydow. Um, well and, so uh, the yeah the racism actually goes a lot deeper than that yeah um it's not so much that max von Sydow, Sydow plays him it's that in the 1930s when they were writing the flash gordon strips yeah the yellow peril uh, the americans had yeah yellow peril where um Asian people were seen as the enemy because of, you know, um, industrial revolutions and things. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So Ming the Merciless and the planet Mongo were very, very... Mm. Mongo racist. as well, like that's... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Obviously comes from Mongo. Yeah. 
there is a one point in the movie where someone is uh, saying, oh, you horrible Mongo person, um, which yeah. <laughs> sounds like that's... Yeah. Just, just sounds off. Xenophobic. It's, it's one of the reasons they've had a hard time like remaking this, because um, they made like yeah. a, an animation where Ming was some kind of, you know, monster or something, but, you know, like... They, yeah, they I used done. to watch that when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. What, what What's my, my own sort of... I don't know, my own take or observation on this is I totally understand that it's not acceptable to have these kind of racial stereotypes or references. Mm -hmm. And I think it is fair for people to be pissed off about it. But I honestly never saw him as anything other than an alien growing up. Yeah, I, I now understand the connotations. But for me personally, even as a kid, even into adulthood, until I saw this in the, the news recently, I, I just thought he was an alien. I didn't even make that connection. On a similar yeah. on a similar note, I remember watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, um, with my family, um, and when we were young, and Morgan Freeman, who's in the film, is referred to quite frequently as the Painted Man. And throughout, you know, as a kid, I always thought that was because he had freckles and they painted his face with freckles. Right. I never associated it with the fact that he was a black man. Yeah, it's I, I I do like this new lens that we're able to see these things now and react appropriately to them. I just hope that it doesn't damage cinema as well. I, I think, you know, it's okay not to accept things like Ming the Merciless now, mm -hmm. but it's still a film that deserves value for being a wonderful film. Yeah, yeah it's an interesting sure. topic because if you look at, say, Disney+, Plus, for example, they're now showing warnings at the start of films that are saying this was a film that was made at a time when certain beliefs were um, approved or, you know, um, allowed um, that are nowadays different. So, you know, go in with an air of caution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. um, to pick the tone up a little bit, let's talk about <laughs> Flash Gordon Star Wars. Uh, you mentioned earlier that George Lucas wanted to make Flash Gordon, but they, they rejected him, so he went on to make this this low-budget, shitty thing called Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, that no one's really cared about no. since. You know. It is an interesting <laughs> thing. Uh, you know the iconic text at the start of Star Wars, this kind of tilted text that goes up through the galaxy? Yeah. That's actually a Flash Gordon thing. That's from the original series, and mm. it's left there because George Lucas had copied Flash Gordon, so it's not actually a Star Wars thing. That's his love of uh -huh. Flash Gordon coming yeah. to That's there. really iconic for Star Wars as it well. It is, yeah. yeah if you yeah. go back and look at the old Flash Gordons, it's in it, the, the tilted text. Wow, up tilted there. text. That is brilliant. Yeah. There's, there's another thing that um, uh, I want to sort of segue into. Uh, so as I was watching this... Um, this kind of made me think of um, another kind of big sci-fi project that unfortunately never really sort of got off the ground. And uh, so going back a little bit, so uh, Leon, you introduced us to this wonderful document documentary that I highly recommend anyone who has any interest in sci-fi to watch called uh, Jorodovsky's Dune. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, Alejandro Jorodovsky is a Chilean filmmaker and general like multi-artist, like, you know, he does like everything. But back in the... 70s i think he had opted the options to frank herbert's dune and he had he was putting together this absolutely you know huge monster of a movie and he'd gotten all this you know talent in and he's got this he had this very unique vision for what dune should be and um you know he was working with a very famous uh comic book artist called called mobius, mobius. Uh, who did these absolutely amazing, uh, what do you call them, um, uh, storyboards. And and like, comics and... Yeah, like 3,000, uh, you know, uh, drawings to kind of spell out the whole movie. It ended up with a running time of like 14 hours. Um, unfortunately, he didn't get... <laughs> like a get... fucking Zack Snyder film. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, 
And uh, unfortunately, he didn't get to make it, but it was like he had a lot of ambition. He wanted Pink Floyd to do the music. He had Salvador Dali as playing uh, one of the lead sort of emperor characters uh, in there. And it never really came to fruition. But I kind of like watching Flash, I kind of kept on thinking that this is probably a hint of what a Jodorowsky mm-hmm. Dune would have looked like. For sure. Um, yeah. I mean, especially the psychedelia. The psychedelia of it, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly, uh, which does have this kind of Mobius quality to it. And um, you mentioned, um, or, or one of you mentioned that Pink Floyd was considered doing the soundtrack for Flash. It ended up being Queen. But I just thought that, you know, if Jodorowsky had been able to do his Dune, it would probably have been a little bit like this, only 14 hours long. Yeah, you know, I actually agree. I think <laughs> It would have been less campy and more sort of acid-driven psychedelic. But yeah, I I agree. I think it would have ended up quite similar to this. Do you think it's it's the campiness that kind of was the bane of this movie? Like, do you think that's what kind of, you know, because it it wasn't a success? Yeah, so going back to Star Wars, a lot of science fiction was like this pre-Star Wars. Mm. And I think once Star Wars happened, people wanted that kind of science fiction. So then trying to make something camp, it was like, audiences have moved on times yeah. have changed yeah. and you've you've fallen behind the times now it does yeah. it does feel like kind of like a 50s movie or something like that yeah. a bit, you know interestingly yeah. though i personally think it's that campiness that makes people love it now yeah mm. had it been a straight science fiction it probably would have just been gone poof no i agree yes yeah. but yeah, actually it's so. this beautiful bizarre thing that it's just like force of performance nature in everything this theatrical overly dramatic yeah. ridiculousness that has stood the test of time Should i'd like we, to highlight uh, uh something as well um so you know we've, we've talked about the film but we've probably possibly um missed one of the most famous lines of the film which is her uh, brian blesser's delivery of gordon's alive um <laughs> and when, when you kind of you know when you hear people talk about that line you know societally just out in the wild whatever everyone always shouts it gordon's alive you know but actually, in the film, it's never delivered in that way. It's more no. of a you know, subject. Oh, Gordon's alive! Gordon's yeah. alive! Yeah. It's it's Gordon's almost like alive. the whole. It's like the whole thing with Star Wars. Everyone seems to think Darth Vader says to Luke, "Luke, I am your father." He mm. doesn't. The line he says is, "No, I am your father." Mm. And I can almost help but feel that this film has something of a Mandela effect going on. Mm. It, you know, I mean, culturally, societally, we remember it as being one thing, but actually, it's completely yeah. not. Pop culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating um, stuff. Yeah. Unless there's any other like killer topics, should we wrap up with our scores? Uh, I have one killer one that I think is perfect to wrap up with and hold on to your hat, boys. Because originally Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnie, our very, very dear friend, was set to play Flash Gordon. Unluckily it fell through, or luckily it fell through. Do you want to know something really fucking weird? This leads into another small bit of topic, but it's relevant. The reason it fell through is because... Arnie's accent was too thick. And the reason that's weird is because Sam Jones, who played Flash Gordon, was entirely dubbed throughout the entire film anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. No. But he was only entirely dubbed because apparently he was an aggressive bastard on set and disappeared at the end after falling out and never came back, so they had to overdub him. him. But I thought, yeah, if they overdubbed him anyway, we could have had Arnie as Flash Gordon. Exactly. Ironically, he would turn up in Lorenzo's next film, which was Conan the Barbarian anyway. Right. Amazing. Which is probably a better fit when you think about it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I actually love Sam Jones as Flash Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. It's his film. This weird peroxide hair, dumb (laughs) meathead. It's amazing. Part of the allure of his character is, like you said, he's a bit simple, but he's also a little bit innocent and he has that kind of, you know, that American dream ideology, you know. And I don't think Schwarzenegger would have carried that. Also, I I quite like these. He's a bit of a nobody. 
if he mm. was a an action hero or an action star, you'd see it as their film, but actually he's just Joe America. Yeah. yeah, I think this was actually his first role. And um, yeah. I, I think that's probably why he was a little bit of a dick on set because he came in with a massive inflated ego, like I'm the hero of this. And uh, I think someone in an interview referred to him as a bit emotionally young and in and inexperienced. Right. And that's probably what I led to a lot that, of the yeah. fisticuffs uh, that apparently happened. Uh, apparently on they had to make up him a few times because he had cuts and stuff on his face from actual fights. Actual fights, uh, yeah, unreal. I love that scene at the, at the end when he jumps up to, towards the camera. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is <laughs> like he's just, he's just so happy. It's if, finally over. If you're not jumping up and fist pumping with him, you've not watched the film right. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You've done it wrong. Okay, something scores. I picked up on. Let's wrap it up. I'll go on, Dan. Get your last so, one in. Just something I thought that was quite interesting and quite scary. Apparently, everyone was afraid of Dino De Laurentiis. He's a bit of a, a person, you know. A personality on bit set, of a, person. a bit scary, bit of a person, <laughs> bloody people. Um, but apparently, like when they were making the film, uh, he was trying to save money and he was getting worried about the extravagance and everything. You know, the, the, the they were designing for this film, uh, and apparently he was under an awful lot of pressure and really stressed. And something I heard that I thought was quite scary. So he was he was trying to save money and was un under pressure and quite stressed a lot of the time. And he was apparently trying to buy Pinewood Studios at the time because his wow. own sound stages were falling apart, right? And he was trying to flush money into these to keep everything going. On top of that, Leon, you mentioned there was Italian workmen. He was having trouble with them because Italian labor forces would not work at weekends. So he was struggling to get them to work when he needed them. And on top of all that, um, his daughter was apparently a constant threat of mafia kidnapping. He, she was a target. Oh, yeah. my God. So apparently he should have got Flash Gordon on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I heard this stuff and I was just like, Fuck it out. Yeah. That's a lot it's to stressful. be yeah. I'll yes. tell you what, I've got one last little thing for you, and it's not a fact about this film, but if you like Flash Gordon, right, if you like that campy kind of science fiction, De Laurentiis, before this, um, produced a film called Barbarella with Jane mm. Fonda, yeah, and, Barbara, yeah. and it's a 70s sci-fi, and it's super over-sexualized. It's about this kind of space vixen who travels planet to planet, <laughs> ending up having sex with people, or ended up like in the orgasm machine and stuff. But it's that wonderfully shiny camp science fiction and it's a genuinely brilliant film. If you like Flash Gordon, go and check out Barbarella. And with that, scores. Who would like to go first? Uh, I'd like to go first. Um, so I remember having a lot of good memories watching this over and over again when I was a kid. Um, and again, I was a little bit worried about watching it again uh, for this to see does it actually hold up and I genuinely think it still holds up you know the slightly kind of questionable you know depiction of um, you know Asian characters uh, aside but I still think this is a great science fiction um, adventure movie um, it sort of delivers on all levels I think this is um, I, I mean, I actually had put in a solid seven here, but I think I'll actually go up to a very good and well-deserved eight for this one. Nice. You're, you're lucky you dragged that point back out, so I probably wouldn't have spoken to you again. Who <laughs> 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 would like to go next? Um, I'd, I'd agree with Jesper. I'd, I'd go with an eight. Um, it's, it's good campy fun. It balances dark and comic tones quite nicely. Um, you know, for a 40-year-old film, um, I think it's still very unique and holds up today. Um, Wait, 1980 was 40 years ago? Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Getting <laughs> scary, <old>. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I agree with uh, Dan and Jesper. Like, it's probably an eight for me. Um, it, it's kind of like a perfect matinee film on a Saturday afternoon. You know, you're having your coffee and you're watching it, and you know, it, it's it's not you know, it's not a movie you should overthink. Just just enjoy the ride. 
yeah. enjoy Br- Brian May shredding and enjoy the craziness and and uh, yeah. and Brian blessed and Brian <laughs> blessed. Yeah, I still don't know if I'd watch this with my kids though. I think <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Hell no. They might have some awakenings later in life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about that. <laughs> um. So I guess that leaves me. I, I don't need to say anymore. Let's ten out of ten. I think you guys are crazy for saying eight. (laughs) 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 Our friendship's down the fucking toilet. It's your favourite film, to be fair. This is our last episode. It is actually, um, this is in my top five films ever. And I know there's a lot wrong with it. I know it's wooden. I know it's it's imperfect. But it's just everything I want from this type of film. I adore this film for its, probably its ridiculousness. Everything, every single thing is over the top great loved yeah. it 10 out of 10 what more do you want from a film right yeah exactly know, I think, yeah. yeah i think it's um, something we haven't chatted about i have no idea what our next film is oh yeah i do bjorn over to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so our Putting next film is going to be the last dragon um, all right which probably most people have this never heard about and the only reason this i is... remember this film is because i saw this at my friend's place as a kid Actually, Flash Gordon was another film that he had um, on VHS. And I thought it was a Bruce Lee movie, but it's actually a blues Bruce Leroy movie. Bruce Leroy? Yeah. Bruce Leroy? So the character is, call, um, is called Bruce. <laughs> that's probably my favorite name ever. <laughs> that's, that's your nickname sorted out next episode. No, but the reason, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like an homage to Bruce Lee films. And, and there are some scenes in the movie you know, of Bruce Lee films, but yeah, the, the main character is called Bruce Leroy and and the main villain is called Shonuff and that's all you need Sh- to know and go watch Shonuff. it. And yeah, it, it's, it's a ridiculous, um, the main character couldn't act, hadn't act, uh, but yeah, he could kick some ass and um, it's, it's a great fun film and, and we should do it next. And with I that, am so up for this. I yeah, have no idea this movie even existed. No. I am so up for this. I'm about to go and change my name to Bruce Leroy. That is your nickname for the... <laughs> that, is, that is your nickname. Yeah. Um, Call look, that one. With that, All right. wonderful episode, fun yeah. film. Enjoy talking to you again and speak soon, everyone. Yeah. See you. Speak soon. See you Catch next time. Take care out there. Bye-bye. Bye, all. Long live Flash. You've saved your life. Have a nice day. Yeah! is the rightful heir! We owe everything to Flash. We appoint Voltan, general of our armies. From this day on, let every breed of Mongol live together in peace. Hey!